0: all right folks thank you for tuning in to another episode of bucks of america podcast i am your host jeff and today this podcast we're coming to you live at the open seasons expo here in the dells i am sitting down with the legendary jeremy from hunt chef and i've been following this guy for a couple of years now and then now it's come to find out that we actually share a lot of mutual friends which is awesome so we have cameron stover with uh huntinggeardeals.com he told me about your guys's cooperation like and how he wants to build his content up and i think he made the right decision partnering up with you then our other good friend gracie that that sweet loving ambitious young woman that's just 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 taken the internet by storm with the amount of work she's put in and what she's really just striving for and it's like she's a really good role model she's been on my podcast go check her out please um but jeremy i'm gonna i'm gonna roll our intro and i want to find out more about you sir Doesn't it make you want to get ready to go hunting?
1: Let's go now. <laughs> right? Let's go now.
0: I spent a lot of time engineering that to make sure you get you get the the effect on both sides. So, Jeremy, Wynn so, tell me about like how you got into hunting and then and how that turned into this, this beautiful line of products called Hunt Chef.
1: Well, I mean, I grew up with it in Southwest PA with my granddad. Um, I mean, <clears throat> as soon as I could hold a knife, he he handed me one. As as soon as I could, you know, make it to the to the uh, stump or the log or the hickory tree with him to go squirrel hunting. I went and fell asleep in his lap till that 16-gauge barked, and I got up like a retriever and, you know, running as fast as I could to grab that thing. And, I mean, I was just bit from as far back as I can remember. And, uh, you know, that we, we cooked everything. And, of course, you know, I cooked through high school. Then I go to culinary school, and I set off on a 22-year career all over the United States, um, all at – top-end five-star five-diamond resort hotels and restaurants okay and had amazing experiences got to work with people from literally all over the world and at a very high level in food and hospitality but i got tired of being fancy and i (laughs) wanted to get back to my redneck roots and and just you know talk to people and help people cook and game and fish and birds and and it's just been the response has been unbelievable
0: that's fantastic so when you got when you were when when you're hunting with your granddad and such like that and beginning that whole process, like what were some of your childhood memories of cooking with your
1: granddad? Uh, well, <clears throat> you know, it all it all started outside at the chopping block or the skinning block, right? I mean yeah. rabbits, squirrels, fish, deer, ducks, turkeys, geese, pheasants, you know, the whole deal. Uh-huh. And so that, you know, knowing where your food comes from, being part of Either, you know, taking that life and or taking it apart so so you can sustain you um, has been, you know, really a guiding principle in my whole life, you know. And I was so much further ahead um, of other folks in the culinary industry because they hadn't been exposed to that. They, they were just learning kind of where food comes from. And it, a lot of times at that point, you know, they're they taken out of a box. So I don't know. That's probably the most formative memory. But my granddad was a great cook. My grandma was a great cook and baker. My mom was a great cook. And we ate really good. I tell everybody, our Thanksgiving table when I was growing up must have looked like the Pilgrims because we had all loaded down with game and wild stuff.
0: Oh, for sure. I can remember growing up with my grandpa and my dad, like doing the guys that really were honed their craft with the meat and such. And, and my grandpa used to be a chef earlier on. Then he nice. had a family. And then he moved into the banking realm. And when he retired, he actually became another chef again, working wow. at uh, Silver Dollar City down there in Branson, Missouri. Now he has huh. since passed on, but that love for food is carried over to me and to my dad and it's like so now i am showing him what he taught me and motivated me to learn so it's like i've introduced bison and deer tongue and liver and all that fun stuff yes that yes and he yes. hadn't it done or been around since he was a kid back in the early early 50s in iowa right he, he this is how old school he is there they didn't have indoor plumbing their closest plumbing was 20 yards out in the out in the middle of the yard so that's 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 how uh way back he goes and that was only just not even 60 70 70 years ago because he turned 70 literally in in two months
1: wow that's crazy but yeah i mean the 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 food um aspect of you know our great outdoors and our lifestyle you know all my my granddad always said you can't eat the horns you know i'm like but they sure look nice (laughs) you know on on the wall but that you know in that respect i mean being able to grow up like that and bring that through uh uh, my culinary career you know it was was great and i had um was partners in a historic restaurant for 10 years after the resort stuff and anything everything i did with game people just tore it up you know and whether whether it was stuffed quail or bison nachos or or elk bratwurst i mean they were it it, we would just sell out you can't make enough
0: that's fantastic the only thing is like being here in america we can't uh, cook or sell those products like bison and uh, yeah. well, you can, well bison has a little gray area but like whitetail elk and also if you can't sell it at a restaurant you yeah, can't sell because, wild harvest no you cannot do that but so as you got as you uh, matured through all those years of being in the culinary industry so when did you start like actually d- deep diving into all these different flavor profiles like because you have what something I, like 17 it's,
1: it's a delicious dozen there's 12, 12 shakers seven, up okay. there um of of seasonings and then i have nine kits three for sausage three for jerky and snack sticks and then three for brines okay so i tried to put together a really full line i i started really with three rub blends that i mean that was part of my addiction you know to food throughout my career was i was always making a different rub for something right okay and um so as part of helping people you know what what do i put on this deer meat What what do you put on your squirrel well that's why i have 12 because everybody's taste buds are different and I didn't make any of them too spicy because I have three kids. I wanted everybody to be able to enjoy the line. Yeah. And so I put a lot of time and a lot of love into you know perfecting, I guess, for for a manufacturing setting, you know, all of my recipes. And that's what we have today, and it serves us really well. I mean, and the line does great in grocery stores, hardware stores, outdoor stores, you know, you uh, bow shops, uh, you you name it. We're in pawn shops. It's <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Uh, and you know all independent stores, and uh, we we really appreciate our retailers. And if anybody out there in Hunt Chef Nation wants it on a on a shelf in your corner store, so you don't have to pay shipping, just shoot us an email, and we'll make the call.
0: Fantastic, man. So so that was just basically all trial and error. So do you have like what is your, your favorite one out of all to, out of the out of the, des, out of the dozen you've created?
1: People ask me that all the time, oh, really? and I always counter that with, "What are we cooking?" Oh, that's so that's
0: that's the same thing I'm with too. Yeah. So I kind of like with me and whiskey it's like, "Well, what's your flavor profile? What do you, do you like something a little bit earthy? Do you want something with yeah. citrus to it? Something sweet? Some yeah. little floral?"
1: Yeah, we're we're on the same page on the bourbon too. Yeah. Um but you know, probably, you know, the one blend that I've been making the longest, um it's called low down and dirty sweet and smoky barbecue rub. And so it tastes just like it sounds. Um sweet, smoky, you know, with with the uh, the barbecue taste you'd like. Of course it's my blend you know the my my uh the 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 style the refinement level on the sugar that I wanted um, and just enough salt to uh to be able to eat you know the the, the make the meat happen it makes an unbelievable bark on your barbecue but I have people put on their popcorn um, rubbing backstrap chops with it uh, people do put it on duck breast goose breast you name it cure salmon fillets with it it does it does a lot
0: it's fantastic so what is one piece of meat that you haven't tasted yet that you with uh with this particular low down and dirty rub
1: um i've i haven't cooked groundhog with it that should be on the list there you
0: go um, hey go to pennsylvania there's just plenty of them down there
1: yeah <laughs> oh believe me we we i've cooked lots of groundhog um but I, you know to come to think about that i kind of always get stuck in the same vein with groundhog i love it with like a Sweet, smoky tomato sauce and and chunks of veggies and kind of stewed in a sauce like that. Okay. And then eat it over rice. is it it's awesome. It's that, really good.
0: That's that's fantastic. My my dad's nickname was gopher because just because he's like, he just managed to always snuff out the golfers. Nice. It's like it's just it's his claim to fame because like <laughs> you have a gopher problem, you call my dad and he takes care of the problem.
1: That's so cool.
0: And I swear that's still still to this day is his his nickname from growing up. And it's like I still don't know the origins behind it, but it's like hey, it's something that's fun to to go go to hear about
1: that's so cool but yeah i mean with low down and dirty i mean i've cooked so many different species i mean snapping turtles to to, to coyote you know in, in i mean and i saw of that you between. tagged me that yesterday about yeah, it so i thought you'd get a kick out of
0: that uh, it's like you got my mouth watering it's like because i'm i'm weird like that I like to try taste all those weird different concoctions mm-hmm. so how did you so tell me the breakdown of how this this coyote preparation came into play
1: well so um, I'm partners in a TV show and a sportsman channel. Okay. Our show is called Mountaintop Outdoors. Uh, my partner's name is Jeremiah Voidhofer. Um Jay, if you're listening, awesome bird in Texas, buddy. But uh, so he um, was running a trap line on a couple of his deer leases back in Pennsylvania. And he messaged me out of the blue. So I got a dog. I said, all right, man, you know, one, one, off, the, one off the list there. He's like, you want it? I'm like, bring that thing to me right now. Okay. And it was a big, healthy male, probably pushing 50 pounds. Jesus, that's a you monster. Know. Oh, dude, we He's got big, big dogs. I mean, th- yeah. there's, you know, the winters aren't awful, and there's just, I mean, there's so much small game, so many deer, they they can just eat great all year long. Okay. So they grow, they get big, Um, call it like our black bears. Anyhow, uh, so he brought it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to need a dog. I'm going to do this okay And like people all around the world eat dogs it's not a big deal you know and being a chef for all that time kind of opens my mind a little bit more than seemingly a lot of folks i've talked to about it okay um so i'm like well the first thing i want to do is I, I cut some backstrap out cut it in medallions i sprinkled some salt on it did it in a saute pan it was like meat cooked medium okay. and i'm talking you know mm-hmm. half inch thick and i mean, in, in a coyote backstrap strap isn't really very big at the end of the day even on a big dog like this one and uh had a couple of my buddies with me, and so we got the medallions out of the pan, let them rest for a second, cut them in half, and we all grabbed a piece and looked at each other with like three, two, one, and then down a the hatch, you know? <laughs> and we all started chewing, and then we all, that, that grin starts stretching across our face while we're still chewing, and we start looking at each other and shaking our heads yes, and then we start bust out laughing. We're like, I can't believe how good this is. Uh-huh. So tender, and I, I, I tell people, because they're like, what's it taste like? to me um it tasted like the grass-fed beef i ate as a kid growing up which was okay. you know um um very full flavored it wasn't tough but it had a little bit of a chew and that's just was my first thought i'm like this tastes like the steaks my grandma cooked when i was a kid so and, and then just from there, I mean, I've done it a bunch of different times, a bunch of different ways. And then the clip uh, the reel we posted and I tagged you in, that was just kind of a, a you know, a, a one-minute reel taken out of, um, I think it was episode 11 um, from first, season one of Mountain Top Outdoors, where in that episode I, I did a brined um, coyote uh, backstrap with the, I cleaned up the rib bones, left them attached. They looked like little lamb chops and everything, roasted that was and served it with some risotto. And then I took the hind leg, boned it out, marinated it, rubbed it down with low down and dirty. Um, <laughs> sauteed up some onions and uh, and garlic and spread that in the center of it, rolled it up, wrapped that in bacon, rubbed it with more low down and smoked it. And I'm here to tell you, it was lights out fantastic.
0: Yeah, I saw that. It's like I've been telling people about it. I was like, this is just, this is creative. I like that idea behind it. Around here, it's like if you find a, a, a big yoke, it's right right around that 40 40- Forty pound mark because mm-hmm. it gets cold. Yeah. There's a lot of competition out here, and there's a lot of people actually go around hunting them and such. But I, uh, here's an f- interesting story for yourself. So in my home neck of, ground, neck of the woods where I used to live in Minnesota, there was a kid here. Two, two, I think it was 2020, 2021. During that spring, the coyotes hadn't been hunt- hunted for so long that he ended up uh, connecting with a hundred and 78 dogs. Wow. In one season, in one season. So he, do, we, he went through and just decimated them all. Wow. But the best part was is like he, he just rolled that success into moving towards like asking for more per- permissions. Like, this guy's going to be set up for life for hunting uh, whitetail.
1: Wow. Yeah, how about it? I mean, that, that's a heck of a story. I mean, that's something you might hear about coming out of the Dakotas or somewhere like that maybe. But yeah, I mean, you got that many dogs. I mean, think about how fewer pheasants, uh, 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 rabbits, deer. I mean they're just gone.
0: Yeah. Gone. That's the thing. Get this too. I, uh, the uh, Department of Resources actually dubbed the the cat, the house cat as one of the most dangerous species in America just because of how many animals they kill in one year. Yeah. They they they've, they've I think they've been credited to to, to ex- making like three or four different animals extinct. Wow. Yeah, who would have figured that the house cat would be that detrimental to society? Voles,
1: moles, birds, yeah rabbits i mean exactly tearing them all up
0: Mm -hmm. and it's like i joke with people it's like the reason why you see cats is there's no coyotes in this area yeah you get coyotes in the air there's no cats there's
1: no cats they're gone
0: yeah that's exactly right man it's just it's just so crazy that i that that was just one of those random statistics i just learned this week it's like i gotta say this to somebody
1: yeah i mean it's that's that's I, i believe it you know i've had cats a lot of different times in my life and i mean they just they come bringing home trophies all the time
0: yeah, the thing is, they don't eat. They don't always eat. They're like mm-hmm. they're serial killers. They're just bad as wolves.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, and it's like the the, the old phrase, the cat playing cat and mouse. Well, I've I've watched. You know, we have three cats in the house now. They'll bring a, a mouse in and just drop it, and then spend the next three hours chasing it and just torturing its life.
0: Yeah, that is so, that is just <laughs> something so crazy. And I have a dog. Well, here I think it was two thousand and seventeen. And we, my wife and I, moved into this apartment, and we had two mice running around. I told my dog to go sick on by the next morning. By the time I woke up, both the mice were dead at the door.
1: Wow. Yeah, she. That's she's a, good a dog. She,
0: she's got a red. She's got rat terrier mixed into it, and it's like. That's, oh, there you that, go. That's what ran, ran into it. It's like if I do a squeak with the with the uh, squirrel call. Yeah. She's like ready to go, but she's, <laughs> but she's afraid of guns. It's like I took her out with a 22 and it's like yeah. and got her to tree a couple of squirrels but then i f- cracked off around and she oh she just ran she took get, off
1: get in it get a 17 caliber air rifle
0: that's that was, i thought about doing that next but if now it's she's, legal
1: for the squirrels in your area i don't know I,
0: I i have to look into it but she's 15 now so it's like oh uh, boy so i just kind of she's kind of she's kind of a princess yeah she, she gets a i little... get it 100 percent 100 percent so no, do you, you you got your kids involved in the hunting tour? Do they gravitate to your passion? Yeah,
1: you know, it's they're 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 not as crazy over it as, as I was, you know, at that age. Okay. Um, um I think that they definitely like it. They know where that's how you put food on a table. Um doesn't have to come that way, but uh when we're, we're we're fortunate where we live that I mean, so many kids hunt and it's on Facebook feeds, it's in Instagram feeds, it's on TikTok. And um so <clears throat> you know they're 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 good with it and uh my son more than his two sisters but you know he's killed you know, when i was growing up in pennsylvania i couldn't actually hunt i could tag along with my granddad but i couldn't carry a shotgun or a rifle and go hunting until i was 12. i mean my kid killed his first deer and he was six and he's got more deer dead deer now than i did i think by the time i turned 18. okay you know so it's uh it, it's it's ground blind stuff it's crossbow stuff but it's they're they're out there. I mean I tell people all the time that's another part of the my passion and the mission with my company Hunt Chef is to help get the next generation into the outdoors. I always tell everybody I'm actually going to do a cooking seminar here this afternoon and I'll give the same spiel. You know, kids today have so much more going on century-wise than, you know, say I did when I was growing up. It's more sports, more school activities, the the video games, the the YouTube, TikTok. I mean it it's it's insane compared to what
0: what it was when I was growing up in the when, 90s. You know,
1: ran out the back door with a BB gun. I gonna go from school. You know, shooting G.I. Joe guys I set up in a line. I mean, and um, so if you're fortunate enough, I always say to get them out there. Get them on the water or in the woods. Then you're fortunate enough to catch something or shoot something. Then you get them back to the house, to shed, the barn, whatever you're working with. Like, okay, now we're going to we're gonna rip the guts out of this animal. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to rip its hide off. Then we're going to chop it up and put it in bags and put it in our freezer. You know, and, and that... Saying it like that to a lot of these kids that are growing up on social media and on YouTube, I mean, it just doesn't register with them. I mean, the looks you get is crazy. Um, but then, especially from my standpoint with the food and the cooking, is that, so you've got them, all, you got them all that way. Now I'll get them in the kitchen and really show them life skills, how to feed themselves Two, you know, be able to appreciate that animal that you harvested. And three, just keep that bond, you know, that much tighter. Because, you know, if Johnny or Susie get two or three deer meat recipes that they're good with or, or, or they, they're they really good at uh, frying some fish or something, I mean, they're going to be proud of that. And, you know, being able to highlight that and they can take it with them the rest of their life. So it just brings everything full circle um, from the harvest and, and life standpoint and lifestyle standpoint. And, you know, we, we don't have enough of that these days, in my humble opinion.
0: You are exactly right. Growing up in the 90s, we were uh, every weekend during this from – growing up in Iowa at my dad's house, we would be, from September, from October until February, we would be hunting small game, we'd be squirrel, rabbits, pheasants, and then, uh, I never really, I don't, my dad ever included me doing the whitetail hunting until after I was out of college, and got into whitetail hunting, so if mm. I could cut my roots on that, but it, come to find out, my dad was never really big into hunting, and it's like that time during Christmas to New Years, that's late season muzzleloader for him, that was just kind of his way of handling his mental health yeah, and like having that break away from wife and the kids. And so now I understand more as an adult and as a parent, why he did that. It's like, and, and I don't, I don't uh, look down upon him for taking that time for himself because mm-hmm. it gives himself to hang out with the guys and be one of the yep. boys. And, but the upside was, is that during the whole entire week, even though I wasn't hunting, but they would come back and just watch because my dad was a single mm. and had a ma- monstrous garage. So it was not uncommon to see <laughs> eight to nine deer throughout that, from Christmas to New Year's, just full of bodies. Yeah. And then they would they would go hard that first weekend. they would be party hunting there, and then we'd turn around and they would be hanging there and they'd be drying. And then then come that next weekend when everybody tagged out, then we'd go ahead and we start cutting everything down, breaking mm-hmm. down. And then that's when we got to learn how to cook. And like when I first found out, like frying deer medallions and stuff like that, and just watch them cut it batter it up with some salt and pepper and some flour, throw it in a hot vat, and that's what they all did. And so still to this day, it's translated no longer to hunting, but it's moved into fishing. Yeah. And so now we do these massive uh, fishing trips in, uh, in May and in October. Like last, uh, last um, October, we ended up catching like over 500 fish. Wow. Now, this is on Lake Okoboja, so those are wondering like why? That's a lot of fish. Well, we've tossed a lot of them back, and there's a lot of yellow bass. Mm. And those who've seen yellow bass they're they're not very small and they eat everything mm. so you don't know what you're what's fighting you until you pull it up but then you, you catch a few hundred of them it's not hard to figure it out yeah but it's just a, it's just watching all these guys work together and as people retire out they're bringing in new guys to keep this tradition going because they've been doing this for over 20 years wow and they've been they do it every consistently biannually once in the spring one in the fall so before and after the season of the tourist season because Okaboji has gotten extremely touristic so mm. it's like there's hot ha- there's houses there's mansions there's resorts all over the place So it's kind of taking away the specialness sure. of, the, of the lake but we, we go and take it we take advantage of it there's nobody out there when it comes to when we're out there fishing so it's great so we usually go right after walleye opener which is coming up here in may and we just go out there and we just shoot the shit drink some i mean everybody else has to drink that that piss water yep. a lot of bud light a lot of bush light and it's like I'll just give me some whiskey because it's like I don't like being <laughs> bloated and
1: full. And it's yep. like,
0: I'll drink less, but I'll get to I'll get to be real quick, and then I'll just coast the rest of the night.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and it, I, I've I've drank my share of of uh, uh, piss water beer as you called it yeah. in my younger days, um, and I got a uh, a very um, strong affection for really good American craft beer, especially IPAs, for a long time. And, um, but yeah, now in my, uh, not quite my golden years, um, bourbon's my go-to for sure. And, um, but anyhow, on the fishing side, so I mentioned my son earlier, he likes to hunt, but he loves to fish. Okay. Uh, but no, no trolling. It's too boring. He wants to be throwing that rod, you know, all the time and cranking and throwing and cranking and throwing. He's still young. He's still Ill, he's 11. Ill, <laughs> yeah. He'll change. Ill yeah. Change. I, well, I don't care. I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'll, I'll just. I'll untangle his line, hand him another one, figure the reel out, whatever, get him set back up. But we're going to be – we're actually going to start filming this May. Um, We're going to producing a new TV show. It's going to be called Hook to Fork with Hunt Chef. Okay. And it's going to be my son and I doing destination fishing trips um, uh, with some old friends, meeting some new friends, a little bit of the local color, uh, certainly the fishing, and then, of course, uh, the cooking. So I'm really excited to uh, get to work uh, producing that one. Um, I think he's really going to enjoy it. I've tried to explain it to him. I've had him on a couple of trips. We've gone down to the Gulf of Mississippi and a couple other places. Uh, he just, he wants to cast. He does not want to troll. He's made that very clear. <laughs> so we're going to honor his wishes there. But I'm super excited about getting that project off the ground.
0: That's going to be fantastic, man. I, with my dad being th- where he's at right now, we just go out there and we just we do a lot of trolling. Like yeah. When we're bored, when we're not in there, depending on where we're at on on the body of water, it's like, i'll have well i always can have two poles in the water so i'll have one for trolling and i'll be casting one when I'll, oh, yeah. I'll have two other three other rods lined out for different depths different baits mm-hmm. and where we fish at i know i'll teach you to catch pike bass or walleye so it's like i, I know i'm gonna hit something right and so it's like well that's just one more fish to fry mm-hmm. which is fantastic
1: that's right yeah i mean the the fishing game's great i mean grew up with it in pennsylvania the opening day of trout season was like a religion just just very. It might even been bigger than the first day of deer season. Honestly, I mean, you know, Pennsylvania. You know, I think some other states did too, but it always opened on a Monday and schools were closed.
0: No kidding. No See, kidding. That's that's uh, uh, deer hunting here. De- there's certain communities. They'll, they'll, the school's not even in.
1: Yeah. They'll, they'll, well, they'll touch- that's even we at that back then. We for gun season, we just had a three day doe season. Okay. So they didn't close the schools for the first day of doe season, but. They didn't see more than half the kids that day. There was an absentee slip coming back with them on Tuesday or Wednesday,
0: <laughs> which makes sense. I don't blame them for doing that because school is a joke. It really is. Yeah. And it's like you you can you can teach your kid more in that day than they they will learn in that day in school because yeah you, you can teach them uh, woodsmanship especially if you're going deer hunting so mm-hmm. you're, you can teach them how to track look at sign all that fun stuff look at trails and that right there will will benefit them in the end because then as you can you can relate that to human draft yep. especially depending on what role you. you Grow into as a young adult, or into becoming an adult, and such.
1: Yeah, I mean, woodsmanship isn't always as celebrated on social media or in you know a lot of the TV stuff that I've I've seen as you know the actual hunting is now scouting for sure, and you know so much of it's aerial. So now it's with drones and you know cell cameras and everything else. And I'm not saying that hunting seemingly is getting away from the woodsmanship side. Mm, but it sure isn't the woodsmanship I learned in the mid 1970s. You, you know what I'm saying? From the guys who grew up in it, um, before all those modern conveniences, um, you know, came around and that's what I try and teach him. I'm like, you know, so tell me, is that a turkey scratch or is that, or is that a buck scrape? You know, those, those types of things, you know, what side of the tree, uh, du- you know, of the four directions is that rub on? All right. Well, why is it is it on the uphill side is it on the downhill side, you know, just tons of things like that um you know the scratches around the holes in an old oak i think those are squirrel scratches or raccoon scratches i mean just anything to keep them thinking and and, and wondering um so it's uh and i'm not calling myself daniel Boone by any stretch of the imagination but uh you know after a lifetime in the outdoors you know it's it's just it's second nature i guess you know for at least what i've learned and, and you know you learn more every day
0: and now with my role like what i've learned from doing this stuff and in they're in their- Late '80s, early '90s, and then how it translated for me getting into whitetail seasons. Now it's like it, it allows me to strategically place uh, the trail cameras or cell cameras in a mm-hmm. way that I can be. This way, I'm I'm less in the woods. I'm not disturbing the area, yep. and they become more natural. So that's helped me in the longer. But it's like if you don't teach that at that at the pinnacle peak. So this way, when they become their their early 20s and mm-hmm. their 30s, and they want to like provide a, a nice habitat for them with less human interaction. That's I mean that's where really pays the dividends at, so now you're spending less time in the woods. Like There's a a friend of mine, his name's Jeff Helmers, and he's, he's got uh, big racks, big trophy racks down in, in uh, Holman, uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think him and his daughter are on like a nine-year streak, or 10-year streak of spending less than a week out in the woods shooting a, 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 a 180 class or bigger for, 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 being, for Boone and Crockett. I mean, these guys know their stuff, and he's uh, right now doing uh, seminars and he's, he, he'd say, people, he, people fly in all around the world. He's But now keep in mind, he's been doing this since the 90s, so he's, he's got the, the traction, the credibility. So yeah. People are, are flying in there for his one- or two-day seminars, and they're leaving out, shooting bigger bucks and stuff like that. But that's his whole motto is like he's teaching people that may not have the experiences that we do right. a way to 10x their properties, but also like being able to, like, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, well, if you look at the, the smallest creature on your property, like a squirrel or a rabbit, if you, if you work with them... Everything else will benefit from there on up. So it's like you kind of look at that whole ecosystem paradigm.
1: Wow, I, I well, you know, if he's on that kind of a streak, uh, especially times two with his daughter along for for it. I mean, I'll show I, you some pictures. Uh, yeah,
0: it's like it, it their wall. I, and like,
1: I'd it, love to see them.
0: Pretty much from from the peak of this tent, oh, to probably where those ducks are. It's wow. just line of bucks because it's like they they're they're just they're just, they're just savages. <laughs> it's all and get this, all with archery nice yeah you know and he shot all these bucks on a 40 acre piece of property he just he just he just honed his crafting just like you have it's like you guys are masters at your crafts
1: yeah huh sounds like he's really got dialed in oh, he <laughs> that's does. pretty impressive he does so now with your new show
0: that's coming out will you be coming with a line of spices for fish or do you have spices already out there that already work with
1: yeah so in a delicious dozen i mean honestly you could put any one of them on um, some are, you know, really marketed a little more towards fish and seafood. Um, and we we will be expanding the line um, probably in 2024. I've got some other blends that I've been, been working on and honestly pretty excited about that will go, um, call it go both ways, you know. Okay. Uh, or all three ways, fowl, uh, meat, and um, fish and seafood. But, you know, we're, we're pretty well set up right now. I mean, whether you're fishing, waterfowling, deer hunting, upland hunting, um, you know, we're, we're just getting uh, pork chops and, and peas and potatoes for, for Wednesday night dinner. We got you covered.
0: That's fantastic. And the unique thing is here, being here in Wisconsin, we have pretty much every peak animal out here you can shoot that and, or hunt or fish, yeah. just considering of where we're at. Because, like, you when you look, when you pull up the map and you go up to 1,000 feet in the air, you'll see that we have nose jammer, tactic cam, HHA, U.S., HHA, Sports. Uh, we have Matthews. We have uh, Gearhead Archery. The guy that was walking by—that's mm-hmm. Skip Peterson. He owns uh, Gearhead Archery. Nice. And he's just moving. He, he's now moving into a new location in April. So that's fantastic news. You got Prime behind us here. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing like in this area here, we, ha, we this is a sportsman's paradise. Yeah. And it's like this is a great spot for you to be in because I'm hoping that when you do your cooking seminars and you get people to taste these, uh you taste it, you like it, you buy it. That's just yeah. how it all works out.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, ideally from a business perspective, for sure. But, you know, the seminars, I encourage questions all the time, and we get off on tangents. You know, I'll, I'll ask them, do you dry-age your venison? Do you dry-age your, your waterfowl? Um, um, you know, do you season your meat before you grind it or after? And just getting people's feedback, because there's no wrong way to do anything with food as long as you're happy with the outcome. Yeah. Um, and being, you know, uh, kind of a sponge my whole career and just asking those questions and learning from other people not stealing secrets or recipes, but you know, if you're like, I'm not giving up my recipe, that shame on you. You know, why wouldn't you let the rest of the world benefit from it? Um, now, from a business standpoint, I'm not giving away these 12 blend recipes Obviously, anytime yeah. soon. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's that's like uh, giving your competitor the, the blueprints to build the same truck that your plant's building, kind of thing, 100%. Um, but as far as anything cooking wise, um, you know, when we do the seminars. I, I love to you know ask questions and get people's feedback and then I also do another one a lot uh that right now because I don't have any whole carcasses but I do what I call the hunt chef one man deer breakdown because I think it's an impediment to a lot of people who maybe want to get into hunting or get back into hunting um, but aren't quite sure how to like butcher and and take an animal apart and then also there's people that have never done it they've always even from when they were hunting the kids with their parents they always dropped it off the processor so they never were exposed to that piece that's a lot of people that fit that vein I, it's it's more than that's you would 100% think that's 100 percent correct I had, you know,
0: I had a friend of mine they, they were down in Iowa here a couple of years ago they shot a bunch of deer but they went to go drop them off and the deer processor said no we're not taking if it, it has to be deboned in order for us to take it off there. I'm not sure if it's coming down to space uh, USDA or they just don't have the time for it anymore or the skills, or the the, the, the market yeah. doesn't have any skills to, to bring old people to do it. Yeah, label. There we go. Because skilled labor is not cheap. And when you're breaking down a deer to, to maximize that uh, that, uh, that whole process, sure. like you don't want to hire the wrong person in there. So they didn't know how to do it. So, But I knew. So it's like we spent, I went down there, they, t- they shot two massive bucks. And we spent wow. uh, 12 hours apiece on each one of those bucks and breaking them all down and showing them and teaching them what to do and how to break them off the bone and and not like what you can do to 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 like if you're going to be like saving this for a later date like a, like a year down the road mm-hmm. or something like that showing them like techniques to keep the silver skin on there and looking for the uh, uh what's we're what looking for those um Saint glands and stuff like that mm-hmm. and removing those and this is stuff that they didn't know about because it's like they, they had that luxury of doing it, which is awesome for him because now as a father, and he was a father of four, right? He, he, that, that was the way to to save time. Well, he's got
1: all kind of uh, uh, unskilled labor to disposal there. I mean, he should...
0: <laughs> well, now they're all in their now they're all in their forties, so it's oh, like, and, and they're all the house. But gotta yeah. rewind back in the nineties, mm-hmm. like trying to balance that all out, it's like he, that was the best way to do it was to be able to run and drop them off. So now he's able to slow down and it's fun we'll set out there we'll we'll spend the whole day out there we'll list to jazz we'll be listing to a whole bunch of stuff we'll mm. bust out the bourbon and Love it. it it sounds like it's just it's it's a it's like almost like a second dad to me just because I'm teaching like we have a really good symbiotic relationship
1: that's great you know and those the uh the one man deer breakdown seminars the, the other thing i hear is you know well i've been happy with taking it to the processor and finally taking it to the processor but you know as price has gone up like 50 bucks a deer in the last four years or whatever, or you also hear, you know, I dropped off a whole deer and I got like eighteen pounds of meat. So I feel like I got ripped off. Yeah, you do. Uh, you, 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 know, you ask a room full of people enough times, you know, you, you get a lot of different answers. So, you know, I'm I'm talking to people about whether you got a picnic table outside, a folding plastic table in your garage, the bed of your truck. Um you 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 can do this, you know, and, and there's there's not it's not uh it's not too cumbersome. You know, you can you can find somebody that's got a uh kind of an empty lot you know I, I have one of those um uh tripods with the crank hoist on it and they're they're not expensive i think i bought mine with cabela's points for like 260 bucks or something um and it but it opens people's eyes say okay yeah i can do that mm-hmm. so we're working more um we've got a great new video editor but we've just got so much content we're, we're, we're remastering and working on new but that the Hunt Chef one-man deer breakdown will be a piece that um, it will be a free download from our website here, hopefully in the next six months. Now that's Just in time for hunting season.
0: That's perfect, man, because this way you're going to be able to teach those younger people to do it. And if it's good enough, you'll start seeing uh, seminars, start adapting it, or um, what is it, The getting their hunter safety stuff taken care of. Yep. That would be a great inter- way to introduce that to the DNR and stuff, like to, to have you as a role model break it all down. The best part is then you can roll that into... Well, this, then you just go from cutting this off, throw it right into a hot pan. It's like, hey, look, mm-hmm. now you have something to eat while you're breaking this down.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, and there's there's a lot of ways to skin that cat <clears throat> or that deer, rather. Um, I tell everybody, go watch Facebook Marketplace or, or yard sales, your pa- you know, those local papers that have all this stuff for sale all the time. Yeah. Um, and find an old fridge. You only need to run it, you know, maybe a couple months a year because you can take the whole thing apart. And stack it up in there, and then you can pull out one shoulder, one hind, you know, whatever at a time. You know, tonight when I get up from work, I'm going to work on breaking down that neck roast. Tomorrow or two days later, I'm going to work on breaking that shoulder down. And you're not faced with this mountain of meat. You don't have to carve it all up, you know, in one day. Um, you know, if you get it quartered, and I showed walk people through how to cut the ribs. I use a sawzall and and a buck knife, you know, and that that's that's it. Uh, most people have a sawzall. If not, you can find an electric one pretty cheap and you know you might only need it once a year but you know get those fine tooth metal blades and it makes life so much easier uh, and and faster so i don't know i could talk breaking deer down cooking deer everything all day long
0: that's the best part about being in, in this conversation here yeah uh but i was even gonna talk about like getting down to like there's a company that's just down the south of the border here in illinois called easy cuts i've used their their, their saws that they use for pr- pruning to do the exact same thing for breaking ribs off. Nice. Because it's, it's the way they have their blades set up, it's like the way it disperses the, the material, the debris, mm-hmm. you're able to, to just run through it all. I first found out um, at a Toma Warren's, it's like it's a, uh, uh, the Warren's Cran- Cranberry Fest, because Ocean Spray, nice. their HQ is literally 30, 40 miles to the west of here. It's like when you... So there's what? A, there's an intersection of I-90 and I-94, and you go off to La Crosse there, mm-hmm. you can see that big, beautiful house there in front of those bogs. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. i have friends of mine that listen to the podcast uh al potter if you're listening he uh he works for him he works for the, the the cranberry uh marshes and stuff like that i-90 is just litter with the cranberry fest uh, wow. the marshes all throughout there
1: yeah. really yeah I, why did i think all the cranberries are coming from new england no that that's,
0: they do have some there but that's where ocean spray i may they, they may ocean spray may own more over there too but yeah this is where they have is it, it's like location. it's
1: called because it's called ocean spray so yeah. i I thought it was in, you know, New England coast kind of thing. So it could be, I don't know. I've spent my whole life with food, and I didn't even (laughs) realize there was a cranberry bush in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. That's fantastic. And if you just go north
0: of that, uh, over uh, there is also places out there that grow strawberries by the fields. Like you'd expect to see, uh, you'd look out and you think they're actually – Soybeans, and they're mm-hmm. actually bushes of strawberries. Wow! Yeah, we have it's very we have a very diverse background. And then if you jump across the border and you go into a Crescent, Minnesota, that is the state capital of apples in Minnesota. Wow! So you, apple they have a big old Apple Fest in I think in September or October. Mm. Just absolutely massive, and then plus all throughout this area along the Mississippi, you you can get your different kinds of wine and different yeah. type of beer because people like to tenx their use of an apple.
1: Oh yeah. How about that?
0: Yeah, it's very, it's a very unique dynamic around this, these parts right here, all up and down the Mississippi and the Driftless Area. It's, it's unique.
1: Well, I, we're gonna have to spend a little more time in Wisconsin. Yeah. And and I, I would I I still haven't hunted Wisconsin yet. I've hunted so much of the Midwest, um, but I've never hunted Wisconsin or Minnesota yet. So those are on the on the list for the next two seasons here, I think. Get
0: this though: out of state tags for a buck tag for Wisconsin for a statewide tag, one hundred sixty bucks.
1: Wow. Minnesota, same
0: price tag. Iowa over a thousand dollars, and you have to get multiple points to get drawn. West uh, Illinois, almost a thousand dollars to get to get a get an out-of-state resident tag there. Yeah. So it, it's it's out of the out of the area here. I tell people if you're gonna move anywhere to the Midwest, you move to Decorah, get yourself an expedition bow because that's where that's where HQ has. Mm. But then you have access to all these states within hours instead of days driving.
1: Yeah, I've 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 obsessed in my mind over the years of like moving to what probably like. East Central or Northeast Iowa, so I could be an Iowa resident, but then I can hunt that circle you just described all exactly. the way around.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I've hunted all this area except for Iowa. Iowa, I'm still waiting to get drawn, so, but yeah. I,
1: I hunted, bow hunted Iowa in 2012 or 2013. I had a shot at um, one legit lifetime, just unbelievable deer, and uh, as those deer get that big for a reason, that didn't come together, and a couple others that were, you know, like 150s, 160s, were just hammered deer that. But I'd have, of, of as usual for me, I didn't bring one home
0: uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's your you're going out there for the experience and you had an opportunity to witness something that massive, but you know God gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't work out, but he, he put that opportunity in your, in, your, in your in front of you to get for you to learn and it's like and, and it may take you months it may take you years to recognize what had just happened in that scenario like oh, yeah a couple years ago, I had a pair of twins walk out in front of me 40 yards I dropped one of them and I watched her sister go through grieving and back to reality in 45 minutes. And mm. that was, and that's like in, in the back of my mind, I should have put on arrow in there. Yeah. And, but it's like, I don't I already knew about the amount the work I'm going to have to do on just one deer. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like it's witnessing that entire process, that life cycle, that, that whole yeah. grieving, it's like, it was, it was, it was, it's like, now it's like, i that experience now translates into my, like last year, I had a mature doe that I will gladly put an arrow through, but she had a doe and toe. Yeah. And then, then not even three minutes later, a spike buck comes through. It's like, I bet she goes in the heat more than once. And yeah. it's like, I'm gonna let her walk. And, and the landowner was hunting on it told he's like, you have a doe out there that has a doe and a spike buck in tow. Leave her alone. Like she's on on the hit list because if she can goes into into heat more than once, man, you got yourself something to help ten extra property. You yeah. may have more does, but sure. hey, you get there's more meat in the freezer for you.
1: That's right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I I I love the. Chasing big deer in the Midwest, it's been a passion for, I don't know, 25 or more years now at this point, and uh, it doesn't seem to be fading in the least.
0: <laughs> I moved to an area where it's like literally five minutes from my doorstep to public land, it's 2,600 acres. Nice. But it's all bluff country, so it's like you're, It's like I need to, I've been hammering at this the spring to like paying attention to where the all the travel is and such, so this way then when I go out there in the fall, I'll be able to set up on a nice easy spot, yeah. stick brush, it's like there's bucks in there. It's the first time I ever stepped foot on there 45 minutes to dusk. I just in the little holler, the, the the thermals are my favor, the wind was in my favor. And I just did a simple bleat with my uh just just did a bleat without a call. Mm-hmm. Just like well first time out here see what happens. I had a buck walking thirty yards in front of me, but there were so many these little itty be twigs. Yeah. There's no way I was gonna no stitch lane. one in there. And likeliness is, is like I'd probably hit one of those or put a bad shot on it, so right. I'm just gonna let it walk. But it was still cool because it's like, yeah, buddy, it, it's just it's like 45 minutes. I fire right there. Oh, it, uh, it, I, so I came back there again and continue exploring it and such. And it's just it's it's a lot. Of, it's it was a lot of work to get to to back where it was bedding at. Mm-hmm. But now it's like I just kind of be a little more open to it because I noticed there's not a lot of people that hunt that area because it's very thick. A lot of buck brush in it, so you have to wear thick layers underneath your clothes. Cause it's like, they have those little, those thorns yeah. and I get, I, I came home and my legs were all cut up and stuff. Like, Cause it's like, <laughs> but if you want to get after the bucks, you gotta go where nobody yep. else is to go.
1: Yeah, We got to hunt them where they're at. I may be a big dude, but it's like when I'm, inter- when I'm determined, I will figure it out. Right. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the trees I've climbed in pursuit of whitetails and, and the hillsides I've been up and down and the, the, the brush patches and the briar patches, uh, you know, it's just, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
0: There, exactly. So is there anything else that we have not covered you want to talk about before we close it
1: out? Um, I don't think so. Just, you know, we're we're in pursuit of, you know, growing a company. Um, we're always looking for new retailers. And we're, we're just we're while we're trying to grow a business, you know, and make sales. We're also really trying to spread that gospel, you know, that the outdoor lifestyle, bringing a full circle, you know, eating what you kill, you know, is, I, I trademark that, you know, that's that's what I live by. And, um, anything that anybody has going on, um, that we could either attend or contribute to that is helps get kids in the outdoors, um, whether it's on the water or in the woods and be part of, you know, helping those kids understand that, you know, something has to die in order for you to live. And when you take that life, you know, uh, respect it, use, use the whole thing. Um, so if anybody has anything going on like that, we'd love to talk to you. Um, but past that, man, we're just, we're on the road. We'll be off the road in two weeks. And opening our new store back in uh, Uniontown, PA, first week in May, and uh, we've got a busy summer lined up—a lot more seminars, a lot more shows, and uh, a lot more fishing to film that uh, new show, "Hook the Fork" with Hunt Chef.
0: I'm, I'm excited to watch that. Watching your son out there fishing, something—it's like going to be—it's going to be—it's going to be fun watching his face just light up with the excitement of that <laughs> hook just going, <laughs> uh, just that, uh, that line uh. just zinging out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's you know, as a as a parent, a father, I mean, there's nothing else like it, nothing like it. we po- we posted a real of uh, him getting his uh, crossbow kill on a i thought it was gonna be like a five point or something and it wound up being a half rack i went and that deer stopped broadside stared right at us i said do you want to and i didn't even get him out of my mouth and the bolt was gone right double lung deer didn't go 30 it was beautiful oh man i was coming apart at the seams coming unglued i was so excited and happy for him that's fantastic
0: so. well Thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time to sitting down with me. I love your product, man. I'm looking forward. I'll do the exact same thing I did with the rack of ribs when I do my prime rib and just start the whole entire day of the process of what I do to get it rocking and
1: rolling. Love it. Thanks a million, brother. Really appreciate the opportunity.
0: You're very welcome.